0: Okay, here we are in Exodus chapter 30. Um, Probably not very many of of us have been in a study of Exodus chapter 30, uh, especially during a a service. And if we weren't doing what we do on Sunday mornings, which is just go and take the next text, you probably would never hear anything from Exodus chapter 30. So uh, this is the, the last part of Exodus, it is a large part of Exodus. Um, for the last 16 chapters, we're, we are in this section about the tabernacle, as you know. Uh, and there are two reasons that we're in, in this section about the tabernacle for all these chapters. One is because the tabernacle is the symbol of God's presence, God's continued presence with the people of Israel. And then also to accommodate the the organized practice of Religion. So last week we were in in chapter nine, or uh, twenty nine, and chapter twenty nine is mostly about consecration and ordination of the priests who will serve in the tabernacle. So so we broke that into three parts. Uh, as you remember, the first two were preparation for this consecration ceremony, and then offerings. Um, some some offerings of a bull and, and two uh, rams. Uh, and then another section, the third section, which isn't really tied to that, that uh, ordination ceremony, but the regular daily offerings uh, that are offered by the priests. And that's where we spent most of our time. Um, and if you will remember back, these offerings were, they were made morning and evening, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and they were supposed to go on forever. And if you, if you remember, um, the main point there was that was what was on the screen right now. The result of that is that I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am Yahweh, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them, I am Yahweh their God. So, so a quote that we used last time was, it's in these ordinary repetitious, uh, perfunctory ministries that God promises to meet with his people. And these sacrifices that go on day after day after day after day after day. They are the, um, the hallowed and the hallowing, or the, the holy and the sanctifying moments. Um, the things that we do routinely, day after day, it seems like nothing is happening, uh, and then all of a sudden we see something we hadn't seen before. Um, Or we just gradually, our mind changes over time. We're shaped by what happens, and and church is a lot like that. Um, Sometimes we think that nothing is happening. Sometimes we are in Exodus 30 and we go, I'm not really sure what that was was about and why why we're doing that. And all the while God is shaping us. And if you remember we closed with this this point. This is one of the one of the this is one of my aha moments that I had as I was the other day um, talking about why you should attend church. Because people talk about that all the time. Why should we should attend church? And this was the quote Christ is the head of the church and the church is the body of Christ. You cannot have a high view of the church and a low, or a high view of Christ and a low view of the church. It's not possible. Because if you have a low view of the church, that means you have a low view of the body of Christ. That means you have a low view of Christ as the head. So it is vitally important to uh, be with this community of believers and then. Day after day and week after week, do the things that shape us, that make us into disciples. Well, chapter 30, then, is another section in this passage about God's design for the tabernacle. Um, And and it's continued, if you will remember, from, from the beginning of chapter 25. It's been one long quote. From God, and it runs through 30, verse 10. Well, guess what that means? That's in the middle of this. So, so something else is going to happen there. Um, this one long, long quote is going to um, end, but, but the instructions for the tabernacle are not. So, if you have an ESV Bible like uh, we use in this church, you'll see that, that this chapter is broken down into four sections. Um, we'll follow. We'll follow that breakdown. Almost, um, you can see that the last section has it has two things really. It has anointing oil, and it also has incense in it. And so we're actually going to break those up. So so instead of having four point four sections that we're going to look at, um, we'll look at five. We'll break them up where it would normally break. And if you notice the first one and the last one, so the number one and number five, they they both deal with incense. There's an an altar of incense and then there's actually the incense. We're going to spend most of our time in those two sections. Um, With 36 verses or 38 verses, you can't cover everything. But... The theme that, we're, that you can see from these, are that these are all about these things that we see in this chapter, preparing to meet with the Lord, preparing for the high priest to meet with the Lord. So that's the theme really here is preparing to meet with the Lord. And that's actually taken from two clauses that are identical to in Hebrew, but they're not quite identical in the ESV. I'm, I'm actually surprised they don't translate them exactly the same way because they they are, they are the exact same Hebrew words. And the first one is in verse six, and it is, This is talking about the altar of incense. So it's in this first section that we're going to cover, and it says, "And you shall put it, the altar of incense, in front of the veil." That is above the ark of the testimony in front of the mercy seat that is above the testimony where I will meet with you. So that is that exact statement is also in verse 36 where I will meet with you ESV translates it where I shall meet with you but it's exactly the same statement. So those are in. That first section and the last section, and we are going to, they're in the section, of, both in the sections about incense, and so we're going to talk about those mostly. So let's begin with the altar of incense. So if you um, if you haven't been here before, how we do this, we, we generally go through, uh, sometimes in these sections I'll make comments as we go, point out a few things. Sometimes I'll just read through them. I'll do both of those tonight. Um, But again, we're going to spend most of our time in this first one and in the last one. So Exodus 30, verse 1. You shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length. Again, a cubit's about 18 inches, about from here to here, right? 18 inches. And a cubit... Its breadth, so it's square, right? It shall be square. And two cubits high, so it's 36 inches high, right? So uh, you shall overlay it with pure gold, its top and around its sides and its horns, and you shall make a molding of gold around it, and you shall make two golden rings for it under its molding on two opposite sides of it, You shall make them, and they shall be holders for poles with which to carry it. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. So uh, this is very similar construction to the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, And since a picture is worth a thousand words, it might have looked something like this. That's, That's kind of what it would look like. This is the... The relative size, um, plated in gold, has horns on the altar. Um, that, that's about what it looked like. And you shall put it in front of the veil that is above the ark of the testimony. Really a better way to translate that instead of saying above the ark of the testimony, um, would be beside the ark of the testimony. It could be the other way, but 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 the but it, the veil doesn't really go above it. I mean, it's higher than it, but it doesn't go over it. Um, in front of the mercy seat that is above the testimony, where I will meet with you. And that's our, there's, our, there's our clause we're looking at, where I will meet with you. So that's the place uh, that we're talking about. And so you remember then, you can see it's telling us where to put this altar, So if you remember, this is what the layout of the tabernacle is. Um, On your left is the Holy of Holies. That purple line that goes next to it uh, separates the holy place from the Holy of Holies. It's about 15 feet square. It's actually about 15 feet cubed, the Holy of Holies. And inside of that is the Ark of the Covenant or what's called in in, in these chapters the Ark of the Testimony. Same thing. And then outside um, of that is the holy place, and that is where, in the holy place, is where this altar is supposed to go, right in front of the veil, right in front of that purple. And so it is laid out something like this. So that's where the altar of incense goes, outside of the most holy place, of the Holy of Holies, but in front of the Holy of Holies. And you'll see why. Um, in a minute, why this is there. And Aaron shall burn fragrant, fragrant incense on it. So, so burn is a fine translation for this, for this word, because that's what you do, you burn incense. But a better, a better translation, and actually it's a more literal translation, but a better translation to, to get why what what's happening here, you could say, an Aaron shall send up in smoke fragrant incense on it. So that's that's where that, that the term actually comes from that, from sending something up in smoke. And so if you're burning it, you're gonna send it up in smoke, so that's a that's a good translation. But here's why I prefer the other one. The purpose isn't to burn it, the purpose is to make the cloud of incense, to send the the spices in smoke. Um, And so you're trying to you're you're trying to keep it burning for a long time. You are the purpose is to make the smoke. The purpose is to make a cloud of smoke when you send this when they send this offering or this this incense up in smoke. And so there are a couple of reasons for that. Um, actually probably more than two, but two really big ones. Um, one is for the fragrant aroma. I mean, it's clear that that's the point here. It's it's a fragrant smell on purpose. And, and so most of the commentators downplay this reason. But let's just think about it for a minute. So, so this is inside the... Um, the holy place, the tabernacle. Uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about what's outside of the tabernacle, but in the courtyard, in the altar, for example, where the sacrifices are burned, where blood is splattered on the ground, and even in some cases, like in, like in a sin offering, poured out on the ground. Uh, Jonathan Larson, after after that that. Um, evening service we were talking, and he he had recently um, slaughtered an animal um, for meat, of course. But what he talked about was the smell. The blood. The smell of death. Right? Outside, right outside the tent of meeting. Now, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but but fabric tends to absorb smell. Um, one time I was I was driving by this, it was by this, I think it was a 2008, not very long ago, 2008 um, car that I'm thinking, boy, if they ever sell that, they don't put any miles on it. We should buy that. And Brenda said, yeah, I think she smokes in it. <laughs> right? So... Fabrics absorb smoke. Clothes absorb smoke. And as you remember, the tabernacle is made of fabric. It's made of layers of fabric and layers of, of leather. And so these sacrifices happened day after day, morning and evening, year after year, day after day. And so there would be a smell in the air. And so this fragrant aroma is important for that purpose. To take it inside the tabernacle and constantly, continually bathe it in, permeate it in this other smell for the purpose for the people, and of course, as as we will see, God likes that smell. I mean, that sounds you know kind of counterintuitive, God is spirit, but but for some reason, Scripture over and over and over again talks about him being, having pleasing aromas. So, so, the fabric then would be permeated. Well, the second reason, besides the smell, and probably the more important re- reason is this. It is to obscure Yahweh's presence from the people and even from the high priest. Remember, when they're on Mount Sinai when Moses is getting these instructions. And what happens when the Lord comes down on Mount Sinai? There's a cloud up there so people can't see him. Right? They've been led around by a cloud that has God's angel in it. So, the incense is to do the same thing. And that's why you want to make it burn a long time and burn continually. This is um, an example of that. This is from the section about the, about the uh, Day of Atonement, the offering on the Day of Atonement. This is from Leviticus 16. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they drew near before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat. That's what we're talking about right here, right? That is on the ark so that he will not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. And then a little bit later uh, in the same chapter. And he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of sweet incense, beaten small. And he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony so that he does not die. So the purpose is to make a cloud of smoke where he comes to meet. So um, this, is, this is how this verse reads. All the places in, where it says burn there, I'm going to just read it a little bit differently. And Aaron shall send up in smoke fragrant Incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall send it up in smoke. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall send it up in smoke. A regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. Regular could also be translated continual. So this is all the time. Right? All the time this incense is to be offered. Twice a day, that's how often he, he deals with the lamps. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, throughout their generations. So when Aaron take, goes in to take care of the menorah, the lamp, this is what he does also. He makes sure that that the... Um, that the incense is burning. And it's the same time, by the way, as, as the daily offerings outside, day after day, morning and evening, over and over and over and again. So there's one more thing about the incense that it wasn't one of those two, one of those two reasons, but, but we're going to talk about it now, and it's because incense symbolizes something. Incense symbolizes prayer. So much so that you could say that prayer goes along with incense. So King David, this would have been much later, four or five hundred years later. King David, thinking about what happens here in the tabernacle, writes, well, here's here's what he writes. Psalm 141. You can turn to it if you want. Psalm 141. We're just going to talk about the first couple of verses. And notice the themes from this tabernacle. Psalm 141, verse 1. A Psalm of David. O Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Hurry to me. To meet with me. Give ear to my voice when I call you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you. And the lifting of my hands is the evening sacrifice. David is coming before the Lord and say, Meet with me like you meet with them when they do these things. When they offer up the incense. When they offer the daily sacrifices. Come to me. Come and listen to me. And then there's, there's, there's a New Testament example of this. This prayer going with the incense. You, you remember the story of Zechariah in Luke. He is the father of... Um, of the soon-to-be John the Baptist. Um, But he, at the beginning of of Luke, he is serving as the priest in the temple, the replacement for the tabernacle. And here's, here's what it says in Luke chapter 1. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by Lot to enter the, tabernet, the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. You've heard of, of Peter and John going up to the temple during the hour of prayer. Hour of. Here we are. Right? And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Same thing. So this is this is what happens in the New Testament. But notice the connection. All the people are standing out and praying while he offers up incense. So let's move on. You shall not offer unauthorized incense on it. Now, if you don't have the ESV, you have some other translation, and it doesn't say unauthorized. Um, It might say strange. Uh, It might say unholy. It might say alien. Um, King James and New American Standard both say strange, and there's a good reason for that. Um, It's the word for strange. Strange. And it's also a word that you will remember when uh, Aaron's sons offer up strange fire. Same thing. At the altar of incense. That's what they're doing. So you're not to put anything else. They're warned ahead of time. Don't put anything else on this altar Only put this incense on it, a burnt offering. And don't put a burnt offering on it. Don't put a grain offering on it. You shall not pour a drink offering on it. It's only this one thing, this one kind of incense that we're going to talk about at the end. So you shall not offer unauthorized incense on it or a burnt offering or a grain offering, and you shall not pour a drink offering on it. Aaron shall make atonement... On its horns once a year. So that's the day of atonement that I just read from in Leviticus. With the blood of the sin offering of atonement he shall make atonement for it once a year throughout your generations. It is most holy to Yahweh. So why does why does Aaron have to make atonement for the altar? Well, Leviticus tells us this. It's not because the altar; it's because the sin of the people. That's why he has to make atonement for the altar. It's in that same passage about that we that I read from before. Second, the census tax is what it's called uh, in the ESV. Uh, so, it's probably best to just read through these few verses first, and then I'll come back and just talk about a few points. But but let's let's go through that. So there is something to notice here right away. And the Lord said to Moses, that means that other long speech that lasted um, five chapters plus is done, starting a new one. Um, and it's we're going to talk about why that's important next week, but there's been one long speech and now there are going to be a series of short ones. And without commenting further, just notice it. Um, And we'll talk about it next week. And the Lord said to Moses, when you take the census of the people of Israel, then each shall give a ransom for his life to the Yahweh. Then you shall number them, that there be no plague among them when you number them. Each one who is numbered in the census shall give this, a half shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary, the shekel is 20 gerahs. half a shekel as an offering to Yahweh. Everyone who is numbered in the census from 20 years old and upward shall give Yahweh's offering. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel. When you give Yahweh's offering to make atonement for your lives, and you shall make atonement, Money, or you shall take the atonement money from the people of Israel and shall give it for the service of the tent of meeting, that it may bring the people of Israel to remembrance before Yahweh, so as to make an atonement for them. So this this answers a, a number of questions, right? First one would be something like, what does it mean that each person is to give, or each man, 20 and old, is to give a ransom for his life? We're used to the term ransom. Uh, we're used to terms like, to, in this kind of a context. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all which is the testimony given at a proper at a proper time at the proper time so jesus paid the ransom jesus paid it all as we're saying so why do we, what is this all about then well it's all about this there are different kinds of ransoms uh oh that's not good <laughs> can somebody get me an extension cord um thank you i might want to unplug my pc It says, that is a, that's what happens when you, that's what happens to me when I try to do two things at once. (laughs) So anyway, so we're used to that kind of language, but there, there are different kinds of ransoms. For instance, a a kidnapper might ask for a ransom for the price of your life. A ransom is just the price of your life. And in this case, it is um, for a specific reason. Each one shall give a ransom for his life to the Lord when you number them. And here is what the reason is. That there would be no plague among them. So the the price there. So what does that have to do with anything? Well, uh, counting people, the census was considered to be God's prerogative. Right? Because what happens when, we, when you would count people, especially for military service, that is a big extension for you. <laughs> but it But it'll be helpful. <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully it'll show it's plugged in. Um, anyway. Um, so it's God's prerogative because we might get proud if we know how many people we have and so this is specifically for that. So the next question then would be why Why is it, well, does everybody have to give them the same amount? Why do the rich people and the poor people have to give, give the same amount? It doesn't seem fair to us. We're not used to that kind of a system where where it's not graduated. Well, it's the price of a life. That's why it teaches us the val- that we are all valued equally before God because we're all made in God's image, right? And so that is the price of a life. That's what makes us valuable, not what we have, not who we are uh, in, in, in society. None of that makes us valuable. What makes us valuable is that we are created in God's image, not because we're wealthy, we're an American which those are the same thing but but we know that so so we know that we are all we're used to things like that too when we think of, when we think of sins we know that all sins are not equal but we also know that all sins require the same ransom they require the blood of Jesus Christ no matter no matter who we are no matter what we've done there's only one ransom to care, to take care of that. So what is this ransom to be used for right here? Give it for the service of the tent of meeting, that it may bring the people of Israel to remembrance before the Lord. So, so two things, they don't seem to be related at all. One is for temple maintenance or, or tabernacle maintenance. And the other one is to bring the remembrance of Israel before the Lord. They seem to be unrelated until you just think about what we've just studied here. Um, What we're talking about with the tabernacle is is having the opportunity for Aaron to go and stand before the Lord, bearing the names of Israel on stones on the ephod, on the thing that he wears over his heart. So they're the same thing, right? You have to maintain this, and so um, it is it is necessary that they maintain this tabernacle because they're gonna they're gonna be ha- they're gonna have it for a long time. Now it was it was built by donations, right? They gave freely to build, and and just think about just about the, it's expensive to maintain things, isn't it? Everybody would love to build, would like to like to pay for a building. Nobody's really happy about having to maintain it, but it's it's, it's not cheap, and, and we we found that out this last year. You know, we we redid our parking lot, two hundred seventy three thousand dollars. What's that for? Well, it's for this, right? It's for meeting with the Lord. It's coming together as a group. It's for our good. It's to be, it's to represent for us to be represented before the Lord. That's why we do it. And by the way, you know, maintenance on this building is probably not going to go down anytime time um, soon. The bronze basin. And the Lord said to Moses, You shall also make a basin of bronze with its stand of bronze for washing, and you shall put it between the tent of meeting and between the altar, and you shall put water in it, with which Aaron and his son shall wash their hands and their feet. So there's what the layout of the, te- of the tabernacle looks like with its courtyard, and there's where you put the bronze Basin. Um, and when they go into the tent of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister to burn a food offering to the Lord, they shall wash with water so that they may not die. And they shall wash their hands and their feet so that they may not die. It shall be a statute forever to them, even to him, and to his offspring throughout their generations. So you notice that phrase was was repeated in two verses in a row, um, and and it is, of course, for washing out the blood, but it probably symbolizes purification as well. Um, just a just a point that that somebody. Uh, a guy named Hamilton, I just thought was really insightful. We've, we've all heard this psalm and think about this psalm, and, and he ties it to this to these verses. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. The anointing oil, spices for the anointing oil. So they were to be collected uh, at the time of the original donations uh, that I talked about in, in the chapter 25. And Yahweh said to Moses, take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels and of sweet smelling cinnamon, half as much, that is 250, and 250 of aromatic cane and 500 of cassia wood or of cassia, excuse me, According to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hin of olive oil. And you shall make of these a sacred anointing oil, blended as by a perfumer. It shall be holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tent of meeting, and the ark of the testimony, and the table, and all its utensils, and the lampstand, and its utensils, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering, and all its utensils, and the basin. And its stand, and you shall consecrate them. So, um, make them holy, that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them will become holy. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. And you shall say to the people of Israel, This shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations it shall not be poured on the body of an ordinary person and you shall make no other composition like it it is holy and it shall be holy to you whoever compounds any like it or who put whoever puts any of it on an outsider shall be cut off from his people and now we'll move to the last section the incense so this is the incense that is to be sent up in smoke on the altar. And the Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices, Stakte and Onicha and galbanum. sweet spices with pure frankincense. Of each shell there be an equal part. And make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. So these are sweet spices. Notice that right away. So and a perfumer was somebody who was very, very highly skilled, because it's not it's not easy necessarily to to make incense. So the salt is there to regulate. How fast it burns. Seasoned with salt, by the way. You, remember, you recognize that, that, that phrase from the New Testament. But God cares about the aroma. They're sweet smelling spices. He's pleased by the aroma, He's pleased by the cloud of smoke. You shall beat some of it very small and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I shall meet with you it shall be most holy for you so an incense is an essential part of the priest meeting with God it's a sweet smell it pleases God It's also protection for the priest. And it also symbolizes prayer. So one of my favorite contemporary songs is called Revelation Song. I'm sure you've heard of it. We've sung it here a number of times. It's based on Revelation chapter 5, primarily. Revelation 5 Six, seven, eight, right in that range, tell us that there's a censer filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Incense is an important part of meeting with God. And prayer is an important part of meeting with God. And we all know that, don't we? We, we all would say, we would all agree with that. Prayer is important in for our meeting with God. So, so how many of us would would think this way, though? You know, the one thing I've really got down is prayer. In fact, I probably pray too much. Most of us would say the opposite. You know, I really know that I should pray more. I gotta I gotta I gotta pray more. So so the question is, do we have the right understanding of prayer? Do we view it as simply making requests? Now making requests is important. We're commanded to make requests. We're commanded to bring our requests before the Lord. But sometimes when we pray over and over and over again for the same request it just doesn't seem like anything is happening. And so we get discouraged and we think, you know, I really should pray more, but but subconsciously we're thinking, yeah, but nothing ever happens. Nothing ever nothing ever happens when i pray been praying for this for years nothing ever happens so is prayer primarily about making requests is prayer primarily about that what if we thought of it different what if we thought about it differently What if we just thought about it, you know, it's not only that. What if we thought this way? You know what, my my prayers are pleasing to God. My prayers are a sweet aroma to God. God loves my prayers. God loves to meet with me. He loves it when I speak to him. He loves it when I extol him. All the things that we have been talking about have been to prepare the high priest to meet with God. Incense is one of those things. Prayer is one of those things. We could look at it that way. So the incense is offered continually continually morning and evening, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, throughout their generations. Is that how we think of prayer? That sounds a lot like, you know, pray without ceasing, which we like to say. Right? Pray without ceasing. The incense was offered continually in order to saturate the tent, the tabernacle, with that sweet smell. So, do our prayers saturate the tent? with that sweet smell. And the incense was part of the things that was that was that we looked at all of these in this chapter that, that are to make us prepared, to make the high priest prepared to meet with with the Lord. So so do we view our prayers as preparation for our appointed meeting with Jesus Christ, because we know it's coming. It's an appoint- It comes at an appointed time. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know it is coming, and we know that He commands us to be ready when He comes. So, just ask Him. Should we? Should we view our prayers differently? Should we view them as preparing for his coming? Should we view should we view them as being such a sweet aroma that pleases the Lord? Should we pray without ceasing? Should we should we not say I just I just wish I prayed more. Would it make a difference if we do that? The incense that you shall make according to its composition, you shall not make for yourselves. It shall be for you, holy to the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to use as a perfume shall be cut off from his people there's there's a whole there's a whole lesson in there about praying to the one true god and not to in a group of people each praying praying to their own gods like is so popular to do now but prayer is holy It's exclusive. Like this, incense is holy and exclusive. It's for one use. It's for God. And he loves the aroma of your prayers. So let's pray. Sounds like a good idea. And then we'll close with our final hymn. Father, we thank you for... uh, this word that you have for us from your scripture. Again, so long ago it was written under such different circumstances, but so important for us. We pray that that you would mold us morning and evening, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, into the image of your son. We thank you so much for the grace that you have given us, for the ransom that that Jesus Christ paid for our lives. In his name, amen.